What's going on, quitters? It's another episode of Don't Quit Your Day Job. You know me, I'm your host, Maxim Allen. Today is August 21st, 2021, and I am back from a five-day business trip in the in a soulless corporate business park in northern New Jersey. So I am so happy to be back where I have my recording equipment and my friends who tell jokes and just be back in the city. Uh, fun fact for you listeners, um, the water tastes worse in New Jersey than it does in New York. So if you're trying to stay hydrated, it's going to suck. <laughs> I brought a, uh, I came back home and I said hi to my girlfriend and I said, uh, you have to try the water in my water bottle. This is what it tastes like in New Jersey. And I made her take a big drink so she could understand how awful my week was. <laughs> And guys, today I am joined by a very special guest. He is a filmmaker and magician and all-around cool guy. I met him back in Boulder, Colorado, and right now he is finally in New York City for the time being, hopefully for a long time being. Everyone, please give it up right now for Ananya George. Yes, me. Uh, also, <laughs> yes, I am here for a very long time being. Did you secure some? Yes. What'd uh, you get? So I got accepted by a university nice. a week ago. Cool. Congratulations. Literally, yeah, thank you. Literally yesterday, I got the piece of paper that gave me like the visa to stay here. Uh, oh, incredible news. Yeah, yes. Congratulations. Everyone give it a clap thank in your you. cars, clap on your commute. <laughs> so two two years now. I, I'll i be in New York City for the next two years. Yes. Guaranteed. Such great news. I'm, yeah. so, I'm so, such a re- so relieved that this worked out. <laughs> yeah, so am I. <laughs> so for the listeners who obviously don't know you, um, <laughs> you moved here from Boulder and you basically gave yourself 30 days to find a way to secure your visa. Yep. Otherwise, you were going to have to go back to the UAE. Yeah, exactly. Well, India, because I, I can't go back to the UAE because oh, of uh, UAE immigration laws. Oh, my God. So they took away my residence <laughs> visa the day I turned 18. So I would have to go to like a place I've not lived in since I was like 12. Jesus. <laughs> Holy shit. Well. The stress is over for two years. You yes. You a year and a half not thinking about it, basically. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I still have to, like, secure a certain visa type. Yeah. Because I can't leave the country now. Because mm-hmm. if, if I have, like, okay, so the way it works is you need a piece of paper called an I-20. Right. Uh, that says, yeah, you're you're a practicing student. You're You're studying something at a university. Okay, yeah. And so you're allowed to be here. And then you need a visa based on that piece of paper that says you can enter the country because you have authorization to be here. Oh. So uh, my... probably two different departments handle those things. Almost <laughs> quite definitely, yeah. yes. So I don't have the like, the, the... like my visa to enter the country is expired, but my permission to be here hasn't. So because nice. I'm already here, I have permission to keep being here uh, and but if I leave, I have to reapply for coming back in. To oh the boy! So, yeah, man, I'm boring myself just talking about it. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> what a snafu! But I'm 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 so glad you figured out something because I was yes. like I was honestly stressing about it for you. I was like thirty <laughs> days to get a visa. Like this sounds like the plot of like a reality TV yeah. show or like a, a movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm like the it, it's funny too because uh, before I left Boulder, I I turned on my camera and did an update video on YouTube, which was just like. Okay, now I have like 35 days to find something to stay in the country. <laughs> Will it happen? Who knows? <laughs> and it did. We're good. We're all squared away on that, which is amazing news because 
Yeah, <laughs> with 15 days left. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I just, ugh. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to deal with that. <laughs> anyway, so I, you are, how would you describe what you do uh, today? Okay. Uh, so I am a illusion designer. Or illusion designer. Yeah, an illusion designer or an illusionist. Okay. Uh, Ugh. but uh that's what i do so but but it's different because like I, I i hesitate to say magician because when someone says magician the image that you get in your mind is somebody who like wears a top hat and giant coat and tails and like walks into birthday parties and goes hey yeah. pick a card or here's a rabbit boom i took him out of my head right? to be fair you did come to my open mic and tell lots of people to pick a card i i definitely did <laughs> and i did that for a long time too like <laughs> Uh, but, but like, that's not all of what I do. Like, that's right, really right. fun to like, um, uh, to network with people and get to know people. But the majority of my work lies in like what I call installation magic. Okay. So I build like sculptures and uh, just like all out illusions. Like now I'm going to build a, so that my, my first day here, a barber gave me a 20% discount on a haircut. And so I was like, okay, I got to come back and design an illusion for him because he gave me a discount. <laughs> um, and so uh, so I'm building him like this chalkboard. Okay. Uh, you know how like the barbershop pole moves red and blue? Right, 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 right. So like I'm building him a chalkboard where like it looks like the physical chalk is moving red and blue. Like like it's a drawing on a chalkboard, but it's moving. Like, Whoa, yeah. interesting. So like that's the kind of stuff that I do. So I, mm. I build illusions and like illusionary experiences okay you might call and, it and in addition to that you're big into film yes yeah yes i mean film is an illusion ultimately okay like, like uh, have you seen that vox video on uh how like they make soundless props on sets yeah th that's really interesting yeah same principles and magic like i guess you're right that's a good way to think about yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah like most of so like the or like the the person who created like not one of the two people who created special effects okay well both of the people who created special yeah. effects. one of them uh, is the more popular one george milies and this dude uh was a magician so he applied the concepts of magic to film and he created like techniques like masking, okay. which are basically, which is basically the reason like Avengers: Infinity War even exists. <laughs> okay, so like like film is illusion. Wow, okay. <laughs> I, I I I truly would have never put those two things together, but it makes perfect sense. And we're right? only we're six minutes in, and you've already blown my mind. You're welcome. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> so, Andy, when did you first get into? Magic slash illusion slash illusion design. Oh my god! I was six years old in India, and I watched a TV show called Tricky TV. Okay. So okay, so most magicians who are working today will tell you that they walked into a library and picked up a book, like it's either yeah, tar yeah, yeah, like it's either Tarbell's Course in Magic or like Bobo's Coin Magic. But uh, I I didn't have that. Okay. Because I grew up in India. All right. <laughs> so like. Like, I barely had internet. Uh, <laughs> so I ended up watching this dude, uh, I forget his name, Steven something, host this TV show where he taught two magic tricks. Okay. And then the guy who worked for us, uh, I, I grew up like India rich, which is like not rich at all, <laughs> but it's okay. India rich, like right. upper middle class. Uh, and so we had a driver who taught me this one coin trick. 
So that weekend, uh, when we my my parents used to hold a lot of parties when I was a little kid. Okay. And so when we had all these adults come in, all I did was practice three magic tricks, and mm. then during that night perform those three magic tricks to different adults during yeah, yeah. the night. And I was <laughs> like, you know what? I think I like this. I might just do nice. more of this. So it was generally like well received. You're like seven years old doing this stuff. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and, and like it was, it was well received. And like the adults had no idea how I was doing it either. <laughs> and so part of me was like, hmm, this is fun. I think this is something I might want to do. Do you, Do you remember the first trick you learned? Oh yeah, of course. Which I was it? What was it? Uh, it was a like you you ask someone to pick a card because okay. of course it was a card trick, yeah. right? <laughs> you ask someone to pick a card. And then you get them to place the card back into the middle of the deck. Like I would show it to you if this wasn't an audio podcast. Right, but, right, right. <laughs> uh, but you you put it you put the card in the middle of the deck, and then you ask the person for their name. Right. And then you spell out their name like with cards. So if, so Maxim, right? Yeah, yeah. You do M A X I M, and then like the next card is their selected card. Okay. And that was the first ever trick I learned. <laughs> <laughs> how long did it take you to learn and figure out how to do that? five seconds <laughs> it was really that quick yeah magic's not hard <laughs> see one thing that always impresses me okay so when you're coming over and you're doing card tricks for everybody like we all know like the card tricks especially are a sleight of hand like there's something going on there or there's like some type of marking mechanism and so i'm always like focusing on the parts of your hands and body that aren't the cards yeah and i can i earnestly tried so hard and i could not figure out how you were doing them <laughs> so like so a part of it is is uh is like knowing when i so there's three rules in magic uh i feel like one of them's absolute garbage but that's just me so the first rule is you never tell how a trick is done. That's the garbage one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the the second <laughs> the second rule is uh, you never do the same trick twice, uh, which I can kind of understand. Um, and the third one is you never let the audience see how you prepared the trick. So there are okay. Yeah. So there are multiple tricks that even begin before I take the cards out of the box. Um and mm. and like that's just that's just like okay so there's this one magician I'm gonna I'm not gonna name him because if someone books this person on a show they'd know exactly what <laughs> they did but if he gets invited to someone's house and he sees a deck of playing cards yeah in their home uh, when no one's looking he'll actually take that deck of playing cards spread it on a table and take a picture and then put the deck back where it was uh when he found it. And then later on, if they booked him for a Zoom show, he'd ask them to grab the same deck of playing cards. I mean, what's the what are the chances that you'd play a game of rummy or poker uh, anytime soon, right? Whoa. And so he'd have this deck that you're holding on to. He yeah. knows exactly where each card is. So he could get you to like name a number and you can go down to that number and he'll know exactly what card is at that position because he has a picture. Why? Okay, yeah. so not not only has this um, uh, like evolved from sleight of hand and like just general like trickery, now this is like full blown espionage. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, but that but that's the thing, right? Like, I mean, uh, how can you how where like to you the trick begins when he's like, oh, do you have a deck of playing cards at home? Right, right. But to the magician, the trick's begun like all the way back. That's so fascinating. I, I would have never thought about that. You know, yeah. It's like I guess. It's the same thing with comedy. Like you see a comedian and you don't know them and they tell a joke on stage and like, wow, it feels like they just came up with that. It's right, like, no, right, right. You didn't see the hours and hours of practice it, to get that. Ex that's exactly what it yeah. is. That's why I think like anyone can do a magic trick. Yeah. Because you just need to know like 
where to start. Once you know where to start, like it, it's easy. Like for example, uh, one of the things that I did when I moved into my apartment uh, in Boulder was I okay. noted down the times and the days uh, the sprinklers came on, right? very weird detail to memorize yeah right? yeah but i wrote them all down and i memorized them to try and see like okay when could i predict the sprinklers would come on mm-hmm. and then one day a friend of mine came over and it's coinc like somewhat coincided with the time that the sprinklers would come on yeah so i made him stand in the field of grass and i went oh, you know what you did earlier really upset me so i'm just gonna do this snap my fingers the sprinklers came on and the guy was just like how the fuck did you do <laughs> <laughs> wow that's that's such an interesting take on it like i like it's it's like the observational skills required to go into that and just thinking about things that you want to take note of for the benefit of this like show trick later pretty much yeah yeah that's that's that, that, that that's why i design illusions right mm-hmm. uh, i think it's so much more fun to do that yeah than it is to like walk up to a person and go okay pick a card right Boom, here's right. something i practice like a gazillion times and i know i can do right but something that's like observational is working not only with the environment but also creating what uh I forget who called this. Uh, there was a magician named Guy Hollingworth, okay, who who talked about like, uh, like high end miracles and like low end miracles or something of the sort. Okay, uh, I don't really remember the terminology. Yeah, but, but how can you create like like how that becomes a high end miracle is because you're using the environment and like whatever is near the person that you couldn't possibly manipulate. Right, right. But a low-end miracle would be, hey, pick a card, right? Right. So Okay. Uh, yeah, I think I think that thought was completed. I'm not yeah. entirely sure. <laughs> That's cool. That's very interesting. So when you're you're seven years old, you do this you do uh you do a magic tour of your parents' party. Yes. What what are the next steps? What do you start doing? Uh I just sit down on my desk with a deck of playing cards and go, Okay, with the three secrets that I know, how do I cr- come up with more tricks? Oh, so you started like creating new ones pretty soon. Exactly. Like again, like I did not like most magicians had like books or mentors. Like that's why right. I was so flabbergasted after coming to the states because uh, suddenly these names that I've only heard of in DVDs or in like news articles are now real people, right? Right, right. Like like Jeff McBride has a magic school in Las Vegas that you could pay X amount of money to and go for like a whole weekend. Whoa. Yeah, right? Uh, <laughs> and then like of fucking Aussie Wynn lives in Manhattan and you mm-hmm. can you can go pay him X amount of money and take private classes with him. Like that stuff was not available to me right. growing up. So I would just sit down and go, okay, what can I do with what I have? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how can I turn this into a miracle mm. um do you still do any of those tricks you designed oh yeah dude. really yeah wow. i so like between 2011 to about 2016 uh there were two or three major things that i used to do so i was really into snapchat and for some reason <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason i had like a like quite a substantial following on snapchat really i don't understand how and i've deleted (laughs) that account since yeah um but uh but i would do this thing where i would get people to send me images around their house and of objects around their house and every week i would sit down with whatever objects i could find like in my own home or like buy it for cheap at the closest like 
Durham store. Yeah. Because it's Dubai and they don't really take dollars at Durham store. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, uh, so buy those objects and come up with a magic trick with them. And I did that every week uh, for like, for like a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, so I could still maybe do some of it, mm-hmm. but there's just so many of them wow. that I can't really remember almost every single one of them. That's wild. Do you have any that stand out? Do you have any examples that you remember oh. specifically? Oh, yeah. There was this one trick that I came up with uh, with an iPhone. Uh, and I actually did this. Uh, I have video of this. Okay. Uh, uh, and so I did this. So the, the trick was uh, they pull up music on their phone, right? Okay. And uh, And like... I'd ask them to swipe up or down uh, mm. and stop wherever they wanted. And I'd get them to memorize a song on their own music library. Mm-hmm. I'd get them to lock the phone, place it back into their hand, and then I'd look at them like I'm reading their mind. Mm-hmm. But I'm not really reading their mind. I'm pretending to read their mind. And then I'd name the song that they memorized. Okay. Um, that trick was one of my favorite tricks in the world. Yeah. Now, there is an inner circle of magic commercialism. <laughs> so, like, magicians come up with tricks and then they sell them to other magicians. Whoa. Um, and so, at the time, I was really into this because I was like, well, I come up with tricks every single week. I should be able to right. do this. And one of my tricks was, like, like, I'm approved to sell that trick any day I want, but I just haven't yet. Uh, because I have a problem with magic commercialism, but that's a different story for okay. a different day. Um, so I came up with this iPhone trick, and uh, I wrote to this magician named... Uh, well, I'm not going to name them. Okay, I wrote yeah. to this magician, and I got the response, oh, shit, I'm just about to write a column for Genie Magazine, which is like a magic magazine okay. for magicians. That's right. We have our inside circle, too. <laughs> you... you, you like this is like the most like Harry Potter parallel universe ever. Like you just came out, you're like, all right, Muggles, let me tell you yeah, yeah, how much magic they're like how no, serious no, dude, it is. Our the magic community is super small, right? Yeah. But but we have our own fucking economy. Like it's <laughs> it's ridiculous because like at, at heart, mad like being a professional magician is about being like an entrepreneur. And a and a business person, right, right. Um, because like most great magicians have also at a certain time worked in a magic shop or owned a magic shop, right. Um, and, or like most big magician is end up making their own magic shops too. Mm-hmm. So like, so yeah, we have our own economy. God damn wow. it. <laughs> So how did you do the? Uh, so you get this article yeah, 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 in Genie yeah, yeah. magazine. So I, I reached out to the guy, and he was like, "I would totally love to put that into Genie if you're okay with it." And yeah. I said, "Do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything that gets my name out there, right?" Yeah. The next day, uh, iOS released a new update. So you remember how in like a, an old version of iPhone Music, Apple Music, if you turned the phone around, it would go into album view. Okay. So what I realized was if I stop at a certain point and memorize the first song at the top and then turn it into album view when it went out of view of the audience and they swiped on it, they would be swiping on the album and not the songs themselves. So when I brought it back to the regular view... It would just go to the first song of that album. uh, Yeah, of the song that I memorized to begin with, right? (laughs) That's how I did the trick. Okay. But then when iOS released a new update... They took out album view. Oh. <laughs> so, like, any other magician would just go, yes, the article looks fine, publish it. Yeah. But I wrote back to him, and I'm like, hey, 
<laughs> iOS released a new update today. I don't think this is going to work out. Uh, that's still like, did did you end up getting an article written about it at all? No, no not at all. Like, they were like, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, I've had very many near misses with magic, but I've always like lost out on it because I lived in Dubai. Okay. Or, uh, or like, or people just forgot that I was in their inbox. Uh, okay. <laughs> like I was, I was almost on Penn and Teller Foolas in 2015. Whoa. And then I was on almost like I was on season three of Wizard Wars uh, in around the same time, 2015. But then they canceled the show after the second season. Oh. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that, that's me. <laughs> You're almost there. You're almost almost there. there. Yeah, uh, like I reached out to the Penn and Teller guys again, and I was like, "Hey, uh, here's the same trick that I sent you in 2015. This is what I would like to do, mm-hmm. uh, but I would need like control of your Instagram, et cetera, et cetera." Mm-hmm. And I don't think they'll let me do it. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so you, uh, you're you're younger. You're designing a bunch of tricks, mm-hmm. and uh, so when. I guess so. We we all we kind of fast forwarded there to the Snapchat magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what kind of happens between there? What's your magic career like when you're younger so, designing tricks? So uh, I started YouTube okay. at, at like I think around 2008. Okay, I had yeah. my first YouTube channel around 2008. I'm not certain because so I'm you're at, in like, like middle school at this point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah okay. I've had like three YouTube channels over the past like how many ever years I've been doing okay. YouTube. Uh, <laughs> The third one is like the one that I'm sticking to. Like this is the one that I currently have <laughs> and have been still working on. Yeah. But uh, I started my YouTube channel in 2008 and I released a bunch of magic videos on there. So what would happen is the second thing I would do in addition to just creating magic tricks was that every weekend. So in my head, I was like, well, Dynamo, Chris Angel, David Blaine, these people are just going out with a cameraman doing magic tricks for people on the street cutting it together into a TV show. Right, right. I can do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I didn't realize how difficult it was Yeah, uh, because I would get my friend in middle school. This was all middle school, dude, mm-hmm. like eighth grade, ninth grade, around that time. I would get my friend uh, Gunal to like hold on to the camera uh, and we would go around in like the 30 degrees Celsius, so like uh, 88, 89, mm-hmm. 90 degrees Fahrenheit heat yeah. in Dubai, go up to like <laughs> random people as I wore this red hoodie uh, and just like showed people magic. Yeah. Um, and I did that for a couple of years too, like walked up to strangers, did magic for them, recorded it, uh, and then tried to edit it down into like episodes. Right. Um, and so I didn't end up editing it down to episodes because i didn't know how to edit back then like i wasn't a film person then i was just some kid with a camera and videos Mm -hmm. uh and so i just released like singular videos of me doing tricks where you could hear the audio somewhat yeah see what was going on uh and then i i ran i ran into this guy uh at the time in dubai who was selling playing cards okay again Magic's all about like entrepreneurship and so on and so forth. So like, um, so this dude in Dubai, uh, there's a like you can't gamble. You're not allowed to like. There are no casinos. Okay. Um, and so uh, so like playing cards aren't easy to come by. Oh, the ones interesting. That, yeah, the ones that I was using were like uh, a dirham fifty, which is like less than fifty cents. Yeah. Like the, those certain playing cards, terrible quality, just absolute shit cards. But, yeah. But I use them for a long, long time, mm-hmm. and I love them to death. 
But there was also like always the need of like better playing cards, like the one that I have on the desk at yeah. the moment, um, or like uh, or like bicycle playing cards, right? Like right. those are those kind are like standard, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are really good cards because uh, they're produced well. They have nice finishes. Anyway, uh, and so this dude would have someone f- like he had a friend who would always travel to the UK or to the US mm-hmm. and come back with a bunch of cards because he knew that his friend liked playing cards. Right, right. But this dude, instead of like keeping those cards for himself, he would sell them <laughs> okay. uh, to other magicians in the city, right, wow. in Dubai. Yeah. And so uh, he got in, like I got in touch with him. I found him on like the Craigslist of Dubai. <laughs> and, uh, and like we, the two of us got in touch uh, and turns out he was going to start a magic club. A club of just magicians who approached him to buy cards from him. Okay. Um, now, when I first met him, uh, he was like the only, he was 21 and the rest of us were like 16, 17, mm-hmm. 15. <laughs> four. And so it was kind of weird, right? Mm. But this dude was, this dude was, was cool. We were very, very good friends and we still are very good friends. Um, but he, him and I like walked up to like companies. We walked up to, uh, People like Microsoft, uh, Middle Eastern Film and Comic Con. Mm-hmm. There was this other company uh, called To Be Swirl, but they're not in business anymore because they didn't hire us. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we we walked into these offices and we would just like uh, show them these videos that I've made, and then I'd help this uh, this magic club also make videos, and then I'd come up with more magic tricks too mm-hmm. all the time, right? So we we'd combine all of it together and then just show it to these marketing professionals and go we can do this for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and so that's what my life looked like between that time, which was just like going from company to company, office to office in Dubai, and just like doing magic. I ended up uh, doing a lot of magic during that time. Um, I got to perform for William Shatner and Sam Jones. Whoa. Yeah, in Dubai, it was it was ridiculous. William Shatner is an asshole, but... Really? Yeah, but he would never listen to podcasts, so <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> That's wild. So you, you're just spending all your time outside of school, just doing magic, hanging yeah. out with your magic buddies. And, and like, at this, my school actually also liked it, because my principal, I was the only... Like, whenever a teacher would take away my cards in the middle of, the, in the middle of class... Because I couldn't help but play with them when I right. get bored, right? Yeah. Or like when I'm trying to think. And so uh, my teacher would take my cards away and go, I'm going to take you to the principal. Then we'd go to the principal and my principal would be like, yeah, so what? He's allowed to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, my school really loved that I did that. And I, and I got like half days off every now and then because uh, certain friends of mine in university uh, who were recent graduates but then start to study in universities would put these... Uh, uh, these uh, events together for children with special needs, uh, mm. and I would I would end up like taking half days from school just to go to those universities and perform for in those events, nice. and then come back and finish my classes for the day. <laughs> That's dope. Were, so, were you making money from magic doing these kind of events? Or I just couldn't kinda... legally make money from magic doing any of this, oh. and even to this day, I can't legally do that because really? of visa constraints. Yeah. Um, so you I listen to the rules. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you have to be very careful, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, so, so uh, I've been and I do do all of this stuff for free. Wow, hoping it garners like some sort of reputation because in my mind, right? Like, I can't legally get paid for any of this. Yeah. 
Um, but what I can get are followers, right? And right. like and like uh, subscribers. And on you can YouTube. monetize subscribers and followers through advertising. Not yet. Not yet. But like, but like, if I have more subscribers, right? The day I can, I suddenly have an onslaught of people who would want to watch this. Stuff. Right. Right. So yeah, well there there have been people like um like I've been uh, one of my favorite hobbies of the weekends is to go into bars like it, magic's all about practice how much ever you could yeah. practice in front of people is like the amount you get less scared doing it yeah it's just like skateboarding so the mm-hmm. more time you're on the board like the less scared you feel to be on the board yeah um and so one of my favorite hobbies is to like go into bars on weekends and show people magic well that's now because now I'm over 21 but yeah it used to be just walk up to random people in malls mm-hmm. um and uh, and nowadays what's funny is that uh, what I've learned, like, I can't peddle my Instagram to people. Yeah. Uh, because if I do, people will kick me out of bars. Yeah. <laughs> but people ask me, like, off their own accord. They go, hey, do you have an Instagram? Do you have right, a YouTube? Right. And I go, yes, I do. And nice. you should follow me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I know we're a little bit late on this, but what are your Instagram and YouTube for the listeners? Oh, it's my name. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it, it, I'll put the links to all that in the yeah. episode description. It, it's like it's a n n a n y a george mm-hmm. uh both instagram and youtube so it's easy to find me but if you can spell my name right <laughs> yeah yeah so the, the listeners definitely check it out it'll be in the episode description so and linked in the instagram post thank you yeah, very so much my friend <laughs> you're going to bars doing just magic for funsies yeah. to blow people's minds and get followers have yeah. you have you ever done magic on the train not yet. Uh, the last time I did magic on a train, I almost got kidnapped. What? <laughs> <laughs> Someone was like, "I could fetch top dollar for this guy. He does tricks." Okay, so this was in this was in Dubai, right? Okay. I was coming back from like an area downtown all the way back to home, which is like so. Like, if I use New York as like an example, if I use Manhattan as an example, I did magic in Soho. And I lived in Uptown Harlem. Okay. Right? So uh, so I was coming back home, and uh, people on the train, because I was doing magic uh, in English, people thought that I didn't speak Hindi, which is my native tongue, right? Right, right. And so as I was doing magic for these people, I heard one dude say out loud to his friend, you know, we should take him to boss. <laughs> <laughs> we should take him to boss who knows how much money he'll fetch us what <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and so the next stop i just got out of there <laughs> holy shit <laughs> so i'm a little weary of doing magic on trains unless i have someone with me <laughs> i mean that's fair but i think uh in, you know you know you've been on the trains here. Yeah, yeah, someone yeah. steps in the train car and they say they address everyone on the train Everyone looks down and ignores them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's maybe three people who are like listening. You know. Yeah, no, I feel yeah. Like there was this, uh, there was there were these three dudes who ended up doing some very in incredible uh, acrobatic stuff with the train poles and everything. Yeah. Uh, I was one of the three people who was watching and like laughing. <laughs> it was great. One, once in a while, I get someone that I really like on the train that'll yeah. do something. And I'll be like, "All right, I'm throwing you two dollars." Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like I, one one dude was playing some like like Spanish guitar and he sang this really nice song. I was just in like a good mood that day. Yeah. That was kind of nice. <laughs> one time, oh my gosh, I was getting on the train near <laughs> near tiny cupboard. I was getting on the J and I step onto the car to go back. 
and the car I stepped onto, there was a guy who had clearly been dancing. Yeah. Because he had like a boombox and a bright vest. And he was yelling at everyone in the train <laughs> car because I guess someone called him like a broke ass bitch. <laughs> and he was, he was steamed. He was like getting in people's faces. And I just stood there with my headphones on and looked out the window as he's like, r- like walking around me yelling at everyone else. I'm like, I am not engaging with this. So I guess he was in a very good mood that day. <laughs> yeah, he was in a great mood. Uh, <laughs> there's also a comedian I know who literally just goes in the subway and just does jokes to people and just riffs and just uses that to try to get people to laugh nice that's crazy to me i i want to i want to create uh like a bunch of stuff just for the subway because there's so much you could do with it right one of the craziest ideas a friend of mine and i had were what if we could like take the walls in the middle of the tunnel uh and because like when you're what so okay (laughs) uh (laughs) so when you're when you're watching like physical film right right Uh, yeah it moves at a certain pace to create like the illusion of movement right the frame rate exactly so when you when your train goes through a subway the window basically acts like a screen right as the wall ends up becoming like the empty roll of film so our thought was what if we could take like permission of course we won't do this without permission otherwise we might die Uh, (laughs) what if we could take like the tunnel and light it and use certain spots to create like a tiny little animation. Honestly, that'd be that would be super dope. Right? Just like even if it was just like a two hundred frame type deal, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Like oh, here's a quarter mile, and th- this section is all painted in a certain way that like flips by like a movie. Exactly. Like you, you suddenly you're in the Willy Wonka tunnel or yeah. something. Like like you could totally do that. Uh, so that's one of the things I wanted to do. Uh, like building like a large scale illusion like that. Yeah. Um, and another thing I want to do is have you seen uh, Darren Brown specials? Mm. Darren Brown is a fantastic magician mm-hmm. in England. Uh, m- probably like the best magician or the greatest magician of our time. Okay. Um, but this dude, uh, one of his earlier specials, he walked up to someone in a tube and was like, okay, uh, do you know what station you're getting off at? And the guy right, went, right. Prince Street or whatever, right? Um, and the guy went, and Darren Brown went, okay, now you're going to forget what station you're on. And he, and like the camera and everything was placed in such a, it's such an interesting spot that when Darren Brown was like, do you remember what station you're getting off at? The guy couldn't remember. And suddenly you saw Prince Street right in the back. And you went uh, and he went, OK, remember, what was it? Taps him on the head. He goes, Prince Street. He's like, oh, shit, we're here. Go, go, go. Huh. <laughs> interesting. It's like, is like is that a hypnotism thing? Yeah, or, yeah. Okay. Darren Brown, he calls himself a psychological illusionist. Okay. Which I think is just pretentious, but also great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not any better illusion designer. Like, <laughs> No, I think that illusion designer. So there's something that I always thought was interesting about magic, right? It's like for me in my brain, now I know there's more parts to this, but I always thought there's two things, okay? There's like the skill of like maneuvering with your hands and positioning. But the other part of it, a lot of times is like engineering objects in order to appear to be magic, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, so, so I would say, okay, so engineering objects is to magic as what CGI is to filmmaking. Okay. Yeah. So you're, you're making it a little easier to do stuff. Everything's mm. possible through just sleight of hand, which would be just like filming things analog, but, uh, but using like, 
the engineering stuff to make it look more unreal makes it a little bit more possible and makes right. it a little bit more easier to do. Uh, mm-hmm. However, it has its restrictions. Like right. I can't, I can't like make a card that flaps out and then give it to you to examine. Like you'll see the flap and you'll go, "What is this thing?" You yeah. Know? Um. So of course, uh, but like you, it, it works in harmony. But right. there are magicians like uh, there. There's this fantastic Argentinian magician named Rene Levant. Okay. Who has just one hand, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he does magic with one hand, and he does like ridiculous sleight of hand with just one hand. Wow. Um. And then there are magicians like Bizarro who who have two hands, <laughs> <laughs> but build things that are just so incredible and use very simplistic sleight of hand to cover the engineering of what's built. Right. So it, it, it honestly always just depends on like the performer and, and mm. whoever's like what your personal preference and what your personal style is. Yeah. I love engineering objects because I'm a total nerd about yeah. it. Um, and like, I, I feel like, I feel like the kind, like just the scale of the stuff that I like to work on is, is so different from just regular magic that, uh, uh, that like, there's no other way to do it but to engineer it, right? Right, right. And and like if people see right through it, there's like an appreciation for how it's engineered. That's why I think the first rule of mm-hmm. magic is total bullshit, right? Because like when you see, so I created this piece that was like floating cubes okay. uh, in my apartment, and if you saw it from a certain perspective, it formed like a square. Mm-hmm. But if you saw it from the sides, it was just like a bunch of cubes floating in space. Um, which is qu- kind of cool. I, I I like the second iteration of it a lot more, but I haven't created it yet. Mm-hmm. Once I do, you're invited. Okay. Uh, but <laughs> but like the idea there was, um, but like the people who came to see it just saw these cubes floating, and they also saw how it was floating. But they had a greater appreciation of what they were seeing uh, because they were like, oh, so it's totally engineered, but this is how you came up with it, right? And that is cool. <laughs> I yeah I th- honestly like whenever I see magic that's what I always want is like I want to know how it's done and I know everyone wants yeah and, yeah and like of course the magic thinking a lot of times is oh but that's part of the fun is going home and like racking your brain about how they do that yeah but also it's like the release of like understanding kind of what goes into it yeah like that that's just so fun in its own way yeah i think of magic to be very akin to like experimental film okay so uh, what they teach you in like experimental film school like the one at cu the mm-hmm. one that i went to yeah. was uh <laughs> when you're watching an experimental movie don't think about it just like watch it and just right. like in- take it all in because uh, that's the only way you can watch an experimental film right and so I think about magic in a very similar perspective of like it's it's all about just like ex- experiencing it. Um and so a lot of people would would go back and think about oh but how did they do it? And I feel like that's the performer's folly because mm-hmm. you're not supposed to be left with the feeling of how did they do it. Okay. Like I mean I mean sure it's 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 a takeaway but it's also like presenting the trick like a puzzle as opposed to like an experience. Right, right. right? And I think like thinking about it from a perspective of how do I give the audience member an experience that is uh, that is so cool yeah. that, that they can't not experience ever again uh, as opposed to how do I give them a puzzle that they can solve? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Some magicians like the puzzle aspect. I think, I think they're wrong. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, I mean, no, there's totally like that. I also feel like the the stigma against uh, magicians and magic in our society is yeah. like 
it's a dorky thing. Like weirdos do magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're all we're like pretentious about <laughs> it. We don't like that. Like there's like all these things could be cured yeah. by them being like, this is how it's done. Because yeah. then one, it's like, oh, people will see that like, oh, there's like a lot of skill and ingenuity that kind of went into this yep. thing. Also, they're not being pretentious about it. They're doing a performance that we enjoy. They tell us how it's done. We're all good. Yeah, you know? exactly. Uh, I like. Uh, I don't. Shit, I had a great thought in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, one of the things that uh, I was talking, I, I made a movie about it. I basically made a rant as I like intercut me building my floating cube sculpture. Okay, and I made a rant about like what I think is destroying magic and like <laughs> <laughs> and like uh, a part of like this gatekeeping, this keeping the secrets to yourself is definitely a huge part of it. Right, right. right. Like I think uh, I think you you should not treat it like it's like okay. Here I got the thought back. Uh, okay. <laughs> so uh, many magicians uh, across time and space have uh, have uh, always like dedicated the last part of their lives to debunking psychics. Like, okay. Like, like Houdini was a big one. Exactly. Yeah. And then James Randi in the sixties or the seventies was also mm-hmm. one of them. Um, and many people didn't believe them because most people like the reasons why you still have psychics and astrologers and all the tarot card readers mm-hmm. around is because like people don't really understand that. What magicians are saying is true. Like, like, uh, yeah. There's cold reading. There's hot reading. People like there are ways to get information out of you without you even knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's totally possible. Like, I have, I have my own method, but I'm not going to say it because it might be illegal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what you're saying is true. Like back in the like Houdini when he did this, this yeah. was at the peak of like spiritualism yep. in America and Europe and just like the West. And what he what he would basically like go to people's like spiritual seances and be like, you can do whatever you want, but you have to respect my control values so I can tell like how it's done. And it literally a lot of time boiled down to also this like engineering of the environment. Exactly. Where it's like someone, oh, they shift their foot a little bit and it pulls a wire that makes the table shake or something like that. So I think. I think that if magicians shared their own secrets, mm. stuff like that would be harder to, it would be easier to debunk, uh, because like, because then people would be more skeptical. Like, right. like they, like, I mean, you can still be spiritual and also be skeptical at the same yeah. time. Right. Yes. Like, so like it, we would just become a smarter society, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Who am I? <laughs> <laughs> I also love the the idea of you like toiling away in your apartment, like building this cube structure, <laughs> and just with a camera in the corner every once in a while, like anyway, the fucking spiritualists like ranting at it. Here's what's destroying magic. Honestly, you're not very far from what actually happened. <laughs> so you also mentioned uh, the monetization of magic that you're not big on. What's what's yes. that about? So, okay, I believe that there's, like, a certain extent to which you can monetize magic. Yeah. Um, but then when you go over that extent, it becomes influence influencing uh, other people's magic. Okay, so this is, like, highly from my own personal experience, right? When we were in that little group of, like, 14, 15, 16-year-old magicians, yeah. uh, what our conversations were mostly about were not, hey, I have this really interesting idea I don't know how to build it, but I want to take this tic-tac box and put a pen through it or whatever. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but instead, our conversations always hinged on, uh, dude, did you see Nicholas Lawrence's new trick, Change 2.0? I wonder how right. he does it. 
oh, it's uh, just $59.99 USD. Did you buy it? Yeah, I bought it. Oh, can you tell me how to do it? No, I bought it, you know? Yeah. Um, like, that's the perspective that I'm coming at it from. Like, I don't like, uh, like, I think a magician comes up with a trick uh, to right. satisfy their own, uh, like, creative, uh, like, their own creative dialogue, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, like I built my little cardboard sculpture, right? Yeah. Like, I built that to satisfy my own perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I wanted, to, I wanted to create something that I, I could visually see my own perspective on time through, right? But, uh, but like, any other magician had that or built that, it would not mean the same to them as it would to me. Right, right. Like, like the story matches for why I created it. Mm. Uh, and so what magicians and magic is uh, today is like a magician would come up with a trick and then just sell that trick verbatim. And most magicians would just do the same presentation too. So suddenly you're not your own magician, but rather you're doing stuff created by other magicians. Oh. Uh, so you're you're just like, regurgitating their uh their like magical uh lexicon as i would yeah, like to call yeah. it uh instead of like using your own which i think is just ridiculous yeah. and shouldn't be the case however um when it comes to like tools of the trade right mm-hmm. like deck of playing cards mm-hmm. uh split cards uh shim cards uh, pk rings invisible threads uh, Yes, those things are real. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, like those things are necessary for like your own creation because right. those are tools. Like, yeah. how, like you can't have filmmaking without a camera. You can't mm-hmm. have, well, you can have comedy without a microphone, but <laughs> but you can't have comedy without jokes right. or like joke structure. Right. right. Yeah. Um. So like those things are necessary for 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 like your creative expression to exist. Yeah. So um why like so uh, so it's i think it's much more important to sell these tools than mm. it is to sell a blank person created a way to turn a dollar bill into $5000 bills mm. you know like so I think there's a disparity there that needs to be addressed within the magic world, but no one does it. And I think right. it's partially because it's been this way forever. And yeah. No one wants to change it. See, it's that's really interesting because what I'm thinking about is I, I read this book called The Comedians, which is like a, a history of stand-up comedy, essentially. And there was a period that was like, I think it was like the 19, like basically like the end of the vaudeville years up to like kind of club comedy in like the 60s and 70s and there was a big period between there where comedians didn't own any of their own jokes like people would write jokes and then just give them to comedians that's interesting comedians would just do street jokes and it was talking about this one cafe in uh, i think it was new york city where all the com there would be like comedian writers who would all get together and they would just write little jokes and they would sell them to people who were performing that night. And then those people would just perform those jokes. Gotcha. So there was no sense of like, tr- like the sense of identity being in a joke didn't exist at that time. Right. It was, you're just a guy who's on stage who's going to tell the best street jokes of like the week. And right. that same act would be all over the city because people would just be doing those bits. Right. But we progressed out of that, of course. Yeah. Well, that's what magic is today. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of magicians out there, like uh, people that I've recently met who do a combination. Yeah. So they come up with their own stuff, but at the same time, they also buy stuff yeah. to like pad out the rest of their mm. stuff, uh, rest of their act. 
But like, I, I, I don't know. I think uh, it's a lot more work to sit down and like create everything from scratch. Right. But at the end, it's worth it. I mean, you have yeah. you have your own signature mm-hmm. on what you do. Uh, I've been reading this book, uh, The War of Art, mm-hmm. um, and one of the things that that uh, Stephen Pressfield says in it is like. Uh, it's like uh, the the professional doesn't like it's super pretentious, but it's super fun to read. And here so we go, good. listeners, <laughs> <laughs> clench your teeth. It, it's it's all about like uh, it's like uh, the professional uh, does not uh, does not show off. So the professional does not like put his signature on purpose, but his, the signature happens as a cause of like working through the medium, right? Right. Um. Uh, but I mean that does not mean that you can't throw your 360 tomahawk for the boys every now and then, <laughs> uh, which is the exact word to use because I think it's just so funny. There's no other way to put it, right? Um, but but like that's that, that's yeah. what's missing in modern magic, and so most people getting into magic now because there are not many brick and mortar shops, uh, which is a total shame. Yeah, because uh, I spent most of my day yesterday at Tannen's Magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is like a, America's oldest magic shop and also like a proper brick and mortar magic shop that you yeah. can go into and mm-hmm. uh, it's amazing but uh uh but like uh, and like you can talk to other magicians and do magic for other magicians it's incredible but um but like uh now when like magic shops are just a click away uh, on, right. online on a website people across the world uh, especially new magicians getting into magic will see just like Oh, this is blah blah dee dee doo's new trick to like turn uh, take a dollar bill, put a pen through it, and suddenly you don't have things anymore. Like right. there's no hole in the dollar bill. Yeah. But like to to the newcomer, that is their idea of magic. Like, right. like this is a trick. This is what I need to do with it. But so they they're not like it keeps them from thinking about okay, how can I how can I elevate this? How can right. I take this? thing from just being a pen through a dollar bill into something that is bigger something that tells a giant or story about life love and everything <laughs> in it you know yeah but i think there that's like a really good point you know but i think there's also what you're describing i see how there might be a beneficial like give and take relationship there where it's like if you're new at magic you learn some fundamentals maybe you need like some other tricks that aren't yours to kind of figure out some directions you need to take with things you know yeah. But I can also see, like, yeah, just having it come down to all of your bits, all of your tricks are something that someone else has created and you just happen to own the, the things for them. Yeah. It takes the creativity out of it. It definitely does. Um, Like, uh, like I think, and that's def- that's a question that I've been trying to answer, too. Like, uh, like then if, if you can't, like, if, if a world exists where you can't buy magic and use mm-hmm. that as a jumping off point, um, where do you begin? What's a good starting point for magic? Um, and and again, like that's that's something that I struggle to answer too, because I I don't know. Um, like how I began was just by like experimenting with objects to see how I could like maybe take a card and rip it off and then restore it, right? Right. Um, how would I do it? Like, mm-hmm. how would I make it look like it's done? Right. Yeah. Um. And, and and that worked for me, but but that may not work for the other person. How do you understand the fundamentals of of like, oh my god, I'm gonna sound so pretentious. How do you understand the fundamentals of deception? <laughs> <laughs> if if like if you haven't had any exposure to it right, beforehand, right. if you don't know the methods to begin with, how do you create them? Mm-hmm. Which I totally understand, and I think like 
I, I think we should, and eventually in life, I want to do this like one time, maybe when I'm like 60, 70, but I want, I want to like teach magic at a university, like give people degrees uh, in, in magic because like, <laughs> like in my mind, right? In my mind, I think this amount of effort that goes into painting a painting yeah. goes into like creating an illusion, mm-hmm. but people don't see that because you're not supposed to. Right. Like one of my favorite quotes, I have no clue who said this, but I'm going to I'm going to say it like it's my quote. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite quotes is uh, is uh, a, when a painter paints a painting, you can see the brush strokes on the canvas. Right. But when a magician paints a painting, you're not supposed to see the brush strokes. Right. Because if you do, chances are you understand how the trick is done and it's not mm-hmm. as magical anymore. Right. Right. Um, and so, like, I think uh, I think a good jumping off point, and maybe I'm just biased, is like, uh, starting off with cards or coins or doing like the basic stuff because when you understand how to use doubles, when you understand how to like present one thing, uh, like but actually have it be two things, like mm-hmm. I think you tend to like understand more basics of magic. Like uh, again, going back to Darren Brown, he did this entire special about uh, robbing. Uh, like he he walked up to a museum curator, an art museum curator, and he said. I'm going to steal a painting from your museum. Uh, <laughs> here's a picture of the person who's going to steal it. This is the time they're going to steal it. This is the date they're going to steal it on. Yeah. Uh, catch me if you can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 to to like uh, and he orchestrated this whole thing, trained these people to do it, planned the whole thing out. It was great. Uh, it was a fun, fun special. But like uh, how he explained what he's going to do is by is through a card trick. Right. So when he got all the people who he was going to like get trained to steal this painting, he did a card trick for them. He did a three-phase card trick, and then at the end of the card trick went, this is how we're going to steal the painting. Mm. In theory, like it makes no sense. Like when you listen to it, it makes no sense. But if you're a practicing magician and you know exactly how he did the card trick, it totally makes sense. Interesting. Um, and so, like, at the end of the special, you kind of put two and two together, not only how that card trick was done, but also how the painting was stolen. It, like, I think that's the closest thing I can tell you right now is what a good starting point would be, would be that. Right. You know, like, like just going into fundamentals, going into cards, going into coins. Yeah. Just learning that. <laughs> that's That's so fascinating. That's like the structure of a small magic trick is going to be applied to this large scale one. Yeah, I mean isn't it the same with jokes? Like you have yeah. like your ex- exposition uh setup and then punchline. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just talk about my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes people laugh. <laughs> Fair enough. So what, what do you have any uh you do you have any magic or sorry, illusion designs you're working <laughs> on right now? Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, the the, the chalkboard that I want right, to right. make it look like it's actually moving. Uh, that's that's honestly the big one. Then this, I met this other magician, Rocco, at a magic shop yesterday. Mm-hmm. He 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 does these cool things. It's it's what we call geek magic. So the whole okay. idea, the, yeah, the <laughs> geeks call it geek magic. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it all comes from like vaudeville when like people are like putting uh, skewers through their tongues, yeah. ripping things out from their eyes. That oh, kind of geek, kind of like gross. Like yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, so uh, so this guy's a geek magician, and he did this one trick for me uh, uh, where like he took his eyeball out and like produced it from his mouth. 
Um, and so I, I walked up to him and I was like, hey, dude, I did not see the eyeball in your mouth. <laughs> I had no idea where I was supposed to be looking. Uh, so you might want to try like putting a putting a light in there. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we're he liked that idea and, and we kind of tweaked it a little bit and we're working. I'm working on that right now. I'm trying to like build something for him to like m- make that trick a little nicer, because what we're going to do is like we're going to shine a light into the eyeball in his mouth. And it's gonna come out of the eye hole that he, that he took the eyeball out Whoa. of. Uh, so just like it's like the punching up. It's like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, like refining the 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 trick, like and making adding it on better. to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. We have the skeleton, but now we're just adding to kind of like make it wow better. That's so that's so fascinating. So I guess the magic community. What's that like? Like one thing that like the comedy scene and comedy community really surprised me when I got involved in stand up. And I've always wondered, I was like, what is the magician community like? So I would tell you that, uh, like, I've only been involved with three magic communities. Okay. One in Dubai, mm-hmm. the other in Colorado, and this one in New York City. But I'm right. still very new to the New York City community. Right. Um, but the one in Dubai was just 14-year-old kids. So we were, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you about that. Like, I have no clue. I don't know how to, like, <laughs> talk about that. Uh, but the one in Colorado sucked. Uh, really? Yeah. Like I, there's this old trick called Scarney's Aces, right? About this guy. Uh, and the legend goes that people would like uh, mob bosses would hire people to look over his shoulder mm-hmm. just to see how he did it. Yeah. But the idea was he would take a deck of cards from anyone um, mm-hmm. and then just cut to the four aces. So you just lift up the cards and there would be an ace. Yeah. Lift up another set of cards, another ace and so on. Mob bosses really wanted to know how it was done, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but nobody knows how it's done. Uh, there was one magician named Ed Marlowe who has a trick similar to it called uh, Marlowe's Miracle Aces, which is pretty much this. Like, it looks the same, but it's not the same method as uh, uh, Scarney. But this guy, Bill Malone, who was a student of Marlowe's, <laughs> apparently knows how it's done and, okay. f- and figured out a way to do it. And he mm-hmm. even has it on video. He says it's not as as clean as, like, uh, as the legends say it was. Yeah. However, I think that's a lie. I think there's definitely a way to do it cleaner. And so mm-hmm. for the last, like, since I was, like, maybe 12, I've been trying to come up with a way to do it. Mm-hmm. Now I've gotten very close to it, but I'm, I'm like, still working on it, right? Um, uh, and so, uh, shit, where was I going with this? Community. Yeah, there we go. So in Colorado, uh, I, sh- I told this guy this, and I didn't have the version that I have today. That right. Uh, I told this the oldest dude, the most well-respected dude in that community, uh, about this idea, like the, thinking that he'd be like full of praise, right? But instead, he's like, "Oh no, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you doing it? Why are you putting that time and effort into like figuring out how how to do it? Like you don't need to. You just switch the deck out. Blah 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 blah." To them, it makes no difference, and I'm like, "But that's not why I'm doing right, it." Right, right. Uh, and, and then like he he thought that I knew nothing about magic, uh, and so he like responded with, uh, and then I showed him like Marlowe's trick, and he's like, "Do you know? Uh, do you know who came up with that?" I was like, "Yes, <laughs> it's yeah. this person's trick modified by that dude," and he was quiet. And so <laughs> after that, whenever I've met him, we've had like a little bit of like, a, "Oh, hey, how's it going?" <laughs> So are there like so you mentioned magic shops? Are there like magic like meetups or like groups or like community gatherings? uh, It's hard to say. Most magicians are like comedians. We only meet up with each other at magic shows. Okay, so Um, so magic shows are like the standard baseline. Yeah, yeah. So like if there's like Derek Delgado is a great example. Fantastic magician has a 
has a uh, special on Hulu, and it honestly one of the most amazing specials that I've ever seen. Um, most magicians would like meet in the lobby of Derek Delgadio's show, right? Okay, yeah. And then there are brick and mortar shops like uh, Tannen's Magic, where magicians right. would just come to hang out, show each other magic tricks, show the guy who works behind the counter a bunch of stuff. Like, hey, check this out. And then the guy will go, oh, maybe you should market that and sell that. Um, I tried, but Theory 11 said I couldn't, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, all that. Uh, and then, like, there, there are no such... Like, I don't know. Uh, it depends. It's very case-by-case case on, like, meetups and so on. But there's not, like, a magic open mic equivalent? No. <laughs> no. Like, that's why I go to, like, whatever open mic I can think of that mm. loosely fits my premise. Yeah. Uh, so if there's, like, a poetry open mic i'll go do a song (laughs) (laughs) so like it's uh, yeah i don't think there's an equivalent there was a magician uh he's very popular today he's on netflix named justin willman okay uh he started off doing just comedy open mics because okay yeah like comedy and he talks about like i was in a i was in a there was there's this thing vanishing ink magic holds called showtime which is where they take these professional magicians these working magicians show you their show, and then do a talk back about like how they structured their show, why they did it, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, and so Willman, Willman's actually an, a great example of like just a magician who bought like a lot of his tricks and then like kind of r- changed up the presentation to like fit his style. Yeah. But um, like that's what he does in his in the show that I saw anyway. I, I don't think he does that in his live shows. I don't know. Um but Willman, uh, Willman, like, like the, that talk back was another thing that like most magicians would meet at, and uh, mm. yeah, okay, gotcha. But it's kind of like show based. Like you're, you guys are magicians. You're interested in magic, so you go to the magic events. Yeah, like for yeah. for largely right, like you have just one or two magic friends, and that's about it. Right, like, right. Uh, it's not as prosperous as the comedy community. Right. Like when I follow you comedians around, like I see suddenly you know the entire town. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, how is that even possible? Like that. <laughs> so how? What's the? So like you mentioned, like the comedy community in Colorado kind of sucking. Yeah. How yeah. how many like magic shows per month would happen there? Oh man, I don't know. Like uh, I lived in Boulder. Right. And I didn't really venture out of Boulder all that much. Okay, yeah. Um, so there might have been a lot in Denver. But the thing is, like, even, like, looking at the crowd in Colorado, most of the people in Colorado are, like, older people, right? Mm. And so uh, so the kind of magicians that would show up there are more of the older generation of magicians. Like, the okay. other Jeff McBride. Um, that's the only one I could think of at the moment. <laughs> uh, and so he, he did many shows there. Like, he did quite many shows. But it wasn't, like, big venues that he went at. Right. Like, he did one at, like... This tiny little jazz bar, uh, the swing dance bar in swing dance. What am I American? Uh, <laughs> swing dance bar in uh, in Denver. Yeah, um, and and so like, yeah, so, like those are the kind of shows that happen there. Like again, like each town's magicians are almost always like a tightly tightly knit group of right. people. Um, there's actually a very good book uh, written uh, about, not about the community, but it goes into the community of magic. Uh, mm-hmm. And the book is by this novelist called Alex Stone. And he's he he wrote this entire book about doing something that I'm currently trying to do, right. uh, which is compete in uh, FISM, which is like the internet. It's like the Oscars of magic. Okay. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so like uh, he, he wrote a book about trying to do that, about his journey from like going there, sucking, and then coming back four years later 
and trying to win, right? Right. Uh, and in that in that time, he talks all about like the the community of magicians in New York City, actually. Yeah. Uh, and then he like goes to Jeff McBride at a certain point, meets that community. So like every town has its own little tidy tight community. However, I think it might be different in New York City because I think uh, there might be more magicians in certain areas of New York City than others. And anyway. I think I think that's one of the huge. I mean, you're you're pretty fresh in this city, but one of yeah. the big benefits of being here that makes it, in my opinion, so hard to leave is anything that you happen to be into, there are like 20 times the amount of people who are into that than there are anywhere else. Which I love. That's amazing. Like, I looked up, okay, so roughly 8 million people actually reside in New York City, right? right as a population. It goes up to like 20 million during the day for like when you count all the commuters that come in. In Colorado... There are 8 million people in the whole state, yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I noticed that. And, like, I've always wanted to move to New York City. Uh, yeah. I love it. I, mm-hmm. Like, just yesterday, I was just chilling at the magic shop, and turns out the dude I've been talking to for, like, three weeks now has a TV show. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and is just, like, chilling at this magic shop. Like, hey, dude, look, I did all the decals on the on the ceilings. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, just like you get that opportunity and like you just get to meet people who are into cool stuff yeah. and like I'm excited to hear about how it develops and I I would be really curious to do like a follow-up episode like in a year yeah. from now to get the scoop on what the magic scene is like <laughs> in, here. in New York. Yeah. Dude, I bet I bet it's a lot nicer than Colorado's <laughs> because so far like I I was sitting around a table yesterday and I was telling this person about why I like to build installation pieces yeah. more than like doing performance because even though I can perform. I choose not to. Right. Um. Because I was like, yeah. Well, I mean, if I if I get really good at a certain skill, like I I will only be doing it until the time I'm alive. After I'm dead, no one will be able to see me do that thing ever again. Right. But if I build installation pieces, my work te- like gets to live on even after me. So I like that. Yeah. <laughs> like people can walk into like a Whitney or a MoMA, hopefully, and then watch and then on your George illusion like yeah. years after my death. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I love that. I wish I could do that for Houdini, you know. Right, like, right. Um, and uh, and and this and this guy just like accepted it. He was like, "Oh, cool." Uh, but in in Colorado, I would have gotten like the opposite response. Like, get yeah. the fuck out of here. Yeah, you know. That's very true. I think they like my experience was uh, paralleled with that. It's just like the creative community is so small in yeah. Colorado for any type of discipline that the people who are on top are just like, I don't want any more people here because I want to keep being yeah, <laughs> on yeah, top yeah. of this, you know? Yeah. I, I understand. And that, that probably goes for a lot of small places. Like, in comedy, you hear about, like, everyone's, like, quote-unquote hometown open mic scene, and it's always yeah. the same story. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, so then you come here and everyone's chill because everyone gets it. They're like, yeah, you are chasing a dream. Duh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's why you're here. Like, you, mm. you want the bigger arena. You want the... Uh, you want like the the bigger playing field to see right. how you fare in mm. comparison to like other people who are also trying to get to the same thing. Yeah, at least that's how I think of it. Not as a competition, but rather as like a, ooh, I want to see what I can do now. You know, like right. a, like a childish excitement. As yeah, I would, I would call it. It's like you. Could, there's a million ways to like quote unquote make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like you might not. You don't have to trample on anyone else. Yeah, to you make don't. It. You don't need to. Like yeah. there, there's. 
there's so much grass. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's far too much grass for people to chew on. Yeah. Especially in illusion design. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm the only one in the world. <laughs> no one else. <laughs> so you mentioned the uh the 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 3D blackboard, and I guess I'm having trouble conceptualizing what that looks like. Yeah. Oh well, you know those those boards? They're so just the, like the sandwich boards. Yeah, the yeah. Ch- the chalk signs, yeah. right? But the chalks just moves. The chalk moves. Yeah. Like a Harry Potter painting. Okay. So how, how are you planning on doing that? Uh, I'm going to make a prototype with index cards because obviously. Right. And then I'm just going to buy a chalkboard and build it. <laughs> but what, how are you going to make it move? I don't want to tell you. Okay. All right. All right. We're taking exceptions. No, well, to it's, the... <laughs> it's a lot. Well, it's a lot. Like there's a lot it got, that goes into it. My current idea. Right. Right. My current thinking is I'm going to take a Arduino. Right. I've recently gotten into like robotics and nice. using Arduinos and stuff like that. I'm going to take an Arduino, take two servos, put them on opposite ends, mm-hmm. uh, and put fishing line on it. And then on the fishing line, add a magnet. Mm-hmm. And then get this magnet to stick to like the top part of the chalkboard, which has like a movable red and blue strip, right? Okay. And then come like copy the same thing on the bottom. So that they move in accordance. So when they move in accordance, it looks like the red from the bottom is suddenly on the top, and the blue from the top is now at the bottom. Okay. And so as the as the servos move the magnet, so does the the bar thing move in the image. And then I'm gonna use the pole uh, mm-hmm. on the drawing on on the chalkboard right. as like the cover up because the best way to right. hide something is to hide in plain sight, right? Yeah. So I'm gonna first get this mechanism moving. And I'm going to put a separate board on top of the mechanism so that it hides how everything's doing and cut holes uh, in the top part of the chalkboard so it just looks like it's just those two things moving. Wow. That's fascinating. That's like quite... Because like you were like, yeah, moving chalkboard, my brain was like, yeah, you just put two TVs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, two, yeah, yeah. Two LED screens. Yeah, no, and I was definitely thinking of that, but I feel I felt like that's too cheap. Like that's anyone can do that. You want to do something like mechanical yeah, or yeah, like yeah. mysterious. Like yeah. Harry like the Harry like I was so disappointed by the Harry Potter star, right? Like uh, I saw a video of the of like the, the moving poster frame, right? Right. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, that's just a fucking screen with a video playing backwards. Like I could do that's that in it? a day. Yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> well, I got, I was very disappointed by it, and that's the day I was like, "Screw it! I'm gonna make live paintings." <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know, what I just realized that I've never figured out is you know those like like they they used to happen all the time in kids book but when it's like that stiff paper and depending on what angle you look at it's like it like moves or it's oh, a different the, image like the 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 holographic thing yeah. Uh, oh, I, or is it like the 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 shape one? So like, if you look at it from a certain angle, it forms an, an image, and if you look at it from another angle, I think it forms it's that one. it's that one because I don't even have a name for that. And I, I just realized I, I my whole life I'd never figured out how that works. Yeah, that, I don't I don't know what it's called either. But it's like those Resident Evil shadow puzzles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think like what I've learned. So one thing that you learn by just like doing magic is that you start at the end. Mm-hmm. So you start at like what image you want, and then you work backwards to like right. what you want the people to see. Mm-hmm. Um, so like how you could build it is like take it. Do you know Tinkercad? No, it's like this online software where uh, most people that do three D printing uh, use to like model stuff. Okay, so it's like SolidWorks, but probably free. 
Sure, I don't it's know what it's okay. Works. It's a 3D CAD thing. <laughs> okay, you gotcha, can make gotcha. your STL files and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just that. Okay, but free. Okay, and for kids, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I use it. Uh, so, uh, so you just go on Tinkercad and you build the shape that you want mm-hmm. from like one angle, and then after that, you just like move stuff around, scale stuff down and up. And suddenly you have those weird things that look like one thing from one side oh, and another one from another. That's how they do it. I mean, that's, I mean, one, that's one way, way to build to it. it. Cause yeah. you, you see installations like that. Like I would see, you know, you see a video of that and it's like a whole like bedroom yeah. full of stuff. But then they turn one light on. And it creates a crazy picture. Yeah. yeah. Like, so like how I how I built the perspective illusion, like the cubes that form like a square. Yeah. Was I took a camera and I set a camera up and like I I. I like I, I plugged in my camera to my TV mm-hmm. so I could see what my camera was seeing at all times. And I put that on the corner of the room. Um, and so just from that one perspective, because I wanted it to only be visible from that one perspective, mm-hmm. I hang, I hung uh, all the cubes so that it formed that square just from that perspective. Okay. And then uh, tweaked it just for that perspective. And then I took the camera out, stood in that line. And I was like, yeah, it looks great. And if you look at it from any other angle, it looks weird. <laughs> that's fun, though. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. I, like, it makes sense how you would do that. Yeah, like, yeah. I guess I guess I never thought about what kind of process the alignment would take. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. It, it, yeah, it's all about like like, and that's one of the things that I love about magic. Like, you you think about what do you want to make and how do you think you can do it. Right, right. <laughs> uh, that's why I also think I managed to get a visa in like fifteen days. <laughs> 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 the trick is the visa was fake the whole time. <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> so you you mentioned you don't like performing. You're more of the installation side of magic. I love performing. Okay. Like I perform whenever I can. Okay. But I I think like uh I think like I have to be on the installation side of magic because if I don't pave the way no one else is going to okay. do it. So you you really are focused on installation magic, yeah. but you also per, you are able to perform. So yes. If, if I gave you a five minute slot at a show, you could perform magic to a room. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, we'll talk later. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. That that that's not like okay. I spent most of my life being a performer, right? Okay. Um. And so like performance is not difficult uh, for mm-hmm. me. Like yeah, of course it's scary. It never stops being scary. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's not difficult because I've just done it a lot. Yeah. Um. So it's it, like I I used to come up with tricks five minutes before I go on. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I told this story to a magician friend of mine, and he went, "Dude, I have no idea how you do that. Like that, for me, like I, I want everything calculated and measured." And mm. I'm like, "Eh, <laughs> you think of a method, you have to just try it, right?" <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's five minutes before. That's you're playing it close to the edge. Yeah, but I mean, like to be fair, uh, the guy who booked me on that show was like, "You're only supposed to do that one thing," mm-hmm. and I went, "No, I want to do what I want to do." Yeah. <laughs> Well, also, I the first time I met you slash saw you, you it was at the CU Boulder open mic, and Lucas was out that week, yeah. and you were hosting it. And yeah. I just remember thinking it was like all these comedians are sitting here waiting for the mic to start, and you were just like, "Well, guys, I'm not a comedian, <laughs> but I'm going to do some magic tricks, and yeah. then we'll get the show on the road." <laughs> there was in 2014 uh, of this. We took a road trip from here. In uh, well, somewhere in Connecticut, okay, uh, to uh, to Niagara Falls in Canada, mm-hmm. and what is that like? 
12 hours? I don't know if it's that long, but yeah. It's like probably like eight, six or eight. All right, six or eight hours. I don't remember. It was a long time ago. Yeah. Right? Uh, what I was in the backseat with an, with an aunt that I don't spend time with that often. Right? Yeah. So it was just an aunt. Yeah. Um, and the entirety of the six, or, six to eight hours, all I did was just magic. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just there like, wow, wow. No, at wow, first she was like, wow. And then, uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like a- after a road trip of that, I'd be like, all right, put the magic away. Yeah, just, yeah. Can you watch a movie on yeah, an iPad or much. something? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> but hey, I gotta get the, I gotta get practice in for the day. You know what I mean? So, so in your mind, you mentioned like kind of fundamental tools, yeah, and fundamental tricks. Is yes. there like what is like the ground floor of magic? Like, would you say like you mentioned cards and coins? <laughs> yeah. Is there like anything else that you would consider like the baseline kind of magic stuff? I think the one baseline magic thing that you need to know is something called the French drop. Okay. It is when you take a person who's from France and you trip. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. Uh, it's it's this move in coin magic where you're holding onto a coin, yeah, transfer it over to your other hand, and then it's gone. Okay. The 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 reason it's called a French drop because as your hand comes over to pick up the coin, you drop it mm-hmm. in the palm that it's already holding onto, so you don't really pick up the coin. I think that's the ground floor of magic. Okay. Because like you're you're teaching yourself how to like remember that to you the coins in your left hand but to the other person it's in your right. Right. So most people who just get into magic and do the French drop and including myself when I first learned it I would always like do the French drop and then always focus on my left hand. Right. Because that's your instinct, right? Like your instinct is to like Focus on the hand that the object's in. We don't want to lie. Right. But magic requires you to lie. Mm-hmm. So, like, you you train yourself into just believing <laughs> that mm. the coin's in the hand that it's not in. And, and that's the ground floor. Because not only does it teach you a very, very fundamental sleight of hand thing, mm. but it also at the same time teaches you, like, how to teach yourself to believe in a lie. Because if you don't believe in your lie, how will they believe in your lie? Right. Interesting. It's like, it's the same thing with like telling jokes. Like I was like, it's like, I write a joke. I riff about it on stage. I get like, it hits well. And then when I tell that joke later, I just put have to put myself in that same emotional space yeah. as like the first time I told it. Yeah. Which is completely untrue. Right. But it's like, I have to do it to deliver this for it to be believable. You totally do. Yeah. Uh, what is the ground floor of comedy? I think it's just... I think, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's funny and what's not funny. I just think it's like sometimes things are just like, I. it's like a like a twist or just like like relatability where it's like, like some, I think it's either a twist or someone says what everybody is thinking. Uh-huh. And the fact that you would say what everybody is thinking is, is ridiculous. Because I think, I think it's just like, Okay, I wrote this joke. This is so dumb. I've only performed this like twice, right? Yeah, yeah. But this is like Jerry Seinfeld getting some help, right? Mm-hmm. He goes, <laughs> he's at his therapist. He goes, what's the deal with me? <laughs> Has anybody noticed me? And then it's like a, like kind of like Larry David Seinfeld type writing where it's like, I don't know what's going on. Everybody has consciousness, but everyone pretends they don't. Like... <laughs> And I think that's like the fundamental of like humor is like, it's like something where it's like, 
we all exist and we all pretend like we don't know that everybody else is hyper aware of their existence. Yeah. And it's like, that's why I think it's like important when you do comedy to like address the room because you're not, uh, my friend Sasha said this really well is you're not, you don't go to a comedy show and see a comedian just monologue up there. Fundamentally, you're just a group of people who are all hanging out. So right. you, when you, when it's your turn to speak at the hangout, if you want to say the things that are on everybody's mind and the fact that you're speaking to them makes everybody laugh. That is such an interesting take. I really like that. It's it's challenging, but it's like that's also just one piece, you right. know? It's but it's oh, like Of course, yeah. It's like I think that's fundamentally why people love roast jokes. Cause just like someone does their set and the next comedian comes up, if they roast that last comedian, it's because it's gonna be the thing that everyone was thinking about while they were performing, right? right? And that's it's like the the fact that you would acknowledge the thing that we're all thinking about is ridiculous. Yeah, or, yeah. I yeah. don't know. So. so you think that's like the ground level? Ground floor is like I mean, people will just be like, Yeah, it's all set up punchline, but I don't yeah, know yeah. if that's I honestly don't know there, what's funny about things. There's there's some people who would say it's always also like the the funny guy, straight man, you know. Yeah, I think it's like like what makes something absurd. It like it doesn't make sense to me at all. Like because like truly like our world is absurd inherently because yeah. our world is populated by people and all, all people are like ridiculous and have their own motives for things. Right. And when you don't know the story behind why someone is the way they are everything is ridiculous yeah it's just like i was thinking okay i was on this business trip last week right for training right i have a rental car and i'm listening i'm in the rental car and i'm listening to just like some crazy like tweaked out hyper pop and i'm like it's wild to me that i'm allowed to be an adult a company is going to rent a car for me i'm allowed to drive it and i have a company credit card and at the same time, I can listen to just wild, like, <laughs> ecstasy-fueled, like, party music that's, like, just super experimental. I'm like, it's crazy that these things can exist in parallel. Because, right. like, I'm playing the role of an adult who's, like, going to a job, going to learn about network architecture right. and do a very adult thing. But at the same time, I'm going back to my room and I'm just watching, like, Gundam lore videos. <laughs> and, like, I'm allowed to do this? Like... I, I feel you. I feel you. Uh, yesterday, uh, I was taking a, so I've, I've been doing an Instagram series, okay, right, where I take like a picture and I post it every single day, mm -hmm. uh, and like a paragraph of a story of the story of like why I'm in the city anyway. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yesterday I was taking like the the final picture of the series with the me in a suit, uh, with a sign that said 15 days left, and yeah. like the piece of paper that allows me to be here, right? <laughs> um, and I and I and I was skating, uh, mm -hmm. in a suit. Uh, with all this stuff in my backpack to Times Square, and right. and I and it hit me like all those people like how am I allowed to skate in a suit? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't like the whole point of skateboarding the opposite of skating yeah. in a suit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's just moments like that, especially when you think about the photo you t you took makes sense to you. All the context lines up. Yeah. But the, to the other people, they see you skate up to a spot, pull out a sign that says 15 days, and then you take a photo yeah. of yourself, and they're yeah. like, what? Jump up on a thing, randomly set up a camera, jump up on a thing, take a picture, run back, go, I, I don't like it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's no. like It's like when TikTok first started blowing up, and people were doing videos of when they'd see TikTok 
tiktokers in real life like are peak like kids doing dances in the park where it's yeah. like what's funny about that is because they're doing this thing that's so extremely online where people understand it but to the rest of the world people are just watching you like t- like start and stop your phone recording like a hundred times yeah. in like an hour i love that i love yeah. that thought that's 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 really really nice i don't know it's i feel i just feel like like the world is so serious but when you actually like when people say like reality is stranger than than fiction, I think it's a hundred percent true. Yes, because you can ne- like when you write a fiction, you can never account for the billions of factors that go through every individual person's lives and thoughts that would culminate in the experiences we have every day. Right. You know. Yeah. You you can't you can't possibly write about that one thing that goes wrong. Yeah. And suddenly you're in uh, in uh, Tokyo as a giant monster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like okay, here's another example that's like this okay, so I'm in this training class, right? It's like hour 4, we're just go we're just plugging along on like IP addresses and like network infrastructure. Right. I'm in this air-conditioned office. It's very clean. They provide us lunch and all this stuff. And then I get a text from my girlfriend who works at a tea shop down the street from here. And she said, a homeless guy came in asking for money. The owner asked him to leave and he started screaming and the owner goes, Lee, get the baseball bat. And so she has to pull out the baseball bat from behind the counter. (laughs) I'm just like, we're in a relationship. Like, (laughs) Like these two extremes, like there's something funny about this because it's like, I'm sitting in this office, like bored. I'm like, ugh, more networking. (laughs) And meanwhile, she's like chasing this guy out of a tee shot with a baseball bat. And if you looked at her, she's not even a scary, intimidating person. (laughs) It's like, and somehow these factors all came together in this moment where I'm like, this is all insane. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) I feel you. Yeah. So that's I think that's like there's something like in all of that tangled web that's like the ground floor of comedy, but I don't know what it is. I mean, you're onto something. People, people, just, it's set up punchline, or you somehow get people to agree with you in a funny way, or you give them a twist. I don't know, but it's it's a mess. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> so we're down to the kind of like the last ten minutes this year. Oh no! And I have a question that I ask everybody yes. at the end of this podcast. So. In your creative journey with magic and illusion design, yes. over all this time, do you have some type of theme or message that you stick to to keep yourself going? Oh, Not necessarily shit. like a theme in the work you create, but something that you tell yourself in the morning when you get to do wake up and do magic. Oh, shit. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Like The closest one I can think of is for India. <laughs> You almost did a spit take. I love it. <laughs> Every morning I wake up and I think about my pride in my nation. <laughs> I mean, like, it sounds ridiculous, but I mean, in a way, yes. Like, uh, uh, okay, so the context of this, right, is like when you grow up as an Indian kid, when you grow up in India, mm-hmm. um, if you're born a boy, chances are uh, people push you to go, like, especially if you're like uh, acceptably good at like sciences and mathematics, like if you understand right, it. Right. Like it, uh, many people say, if you make the mistake of like understanding science and mathematics, <laughs> you're you're normally pushed into like computer science, computer engineering, like that sort of field. Yeah, yeah. And if you're a girl and you're like moderately good at science and mathematics, you're pushed into like biology and that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Um, because like in India, the the rules are different. It's not like here in America, right? Right. Like. like in India, it's about survival. Like mm-hmm. it's changing now. Like, and I'm glad, but it's not changing fast enough. Mm-hmm. But it's changing. 
Um, but if, still, the vast majority of people, like there are still parts in India which are like, uh, like not like officially the caste system does not exist, right? right? But but there are still parts in India that unofficially still believe in it, right? Um, and so they will prevent like their daughters from marrying people of the lower class and so on and so forth. Anyway, so like um, so like. So somewhere in that, culturally, as a, as an entire nation, we've kind of decided that um, someone who goes into the arts is not a good, like, it's not a good way of life. Right. Most movie stars that are making movies in India and Bollywood have, like, engineering degrees. Really? Yeah. Like, because they became engineers and they were like, "That's this is not what I want to do. Yeah. I, I want to be an actor or right. a filmmaker. Um and it's for the same reason, because like you, you're never really ever given the option of like, hey, go do the arts. Like, right. When I was applying for college, uh, uh, I, and I and I told like I first wanted to study music, right? Mm. Um, and uh, and like I was told that uh, I like I wouldn't like my parents won't pay for my tuition if I decided to study music, right? Or like um, or like uh. If I uh, then I was like, okay, let me do theater. They're like, no, yeah, <laughs> you're not doing theater. <laughs> uh, and so like I, I was pushed into computer science um, mm. with a minor in theater um, and then a minor in astrophysics. But that was just me. I like astrophysics. Yeah. yeah. Um. So uh. So like, like in India, there's not this idea of you can pursue the arts. Right. So every time I I like feel what this book again war of arts uh talks about is like resistance mm. um it's like i always i always think of like like i and i listen to this on my runs every morning yeah uh, uh i listen to like songs like chuck the india which is like hell yeah india right like <laughs> it's it's all about like yeah dude like if, if again like if i don't pave the way for more people to believe that Mm. this form of life is a valid form of life right like it, it's totally like a good way and a unique it's definitely a unique way but it's definitely a good way to like live your life because right. at least you live it of your own accord mm -hmm. it, things are possible yeah. uh, like 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 that's what that's what theme like that's the theme uh, of most of my work i would say like just uh, uh, vehemently i think that's the word i'm not entirely yeah. sure okay <laughs> like very very like independent and like incredibly just like i want to do this so i will do it right and it's only because like i want to tell like if a brown person's famous like most indian people will be like oh that's a brown person and they're famous right mm. so like that's mostly why like all brown people should know that yeah like you could totally do what you want mm -hmm. and still be able to like make a living and make a name do something with your life interesting it makes a lot of sense. Just like break, wanting to break away from the expectations so everybody knows it's okay. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> yeah. right? And like, uh, again, it's scary. Like, yeah. uh, like uh, graduating, I was always like, shit, I should just graduate in computer science. Why am I graduating with a degree in film? But uh, it's still like, it's still like, well, I mean, at least, at least I'm doing it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no one else is, I know is doing it. And right. everyone else, like, like my high school and middle school people text me today going like, shit, man, I wish I could have stuck with theater. Or I wish <laughs> I would have stuck with blank. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you should have. I don't know why you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, that. I think that's like the whole point of this podcast. Yeah. It's like in, in its one year run, I'm going to pat myself on the back. Congratulations. 53. Oh uh, man, I missed it by one. By one. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like the, the idea of like, I think there's so much 
expectation, especially amongst the working class. It's like, yes, you have to like figure out a way to survive and provide eventually. And you have to do that in a way that makes sense and doesn't cost you everything. And then once you kind of get that established, you kind of figure out what's going on there. A lot of times it's like, oh, but I don't feel any joy from this, right. you know? So we all like pursue things in our free time. Like for me, it's comedy for you. It's magic. And like you kind of, everyone wants to eventually monetize the thing that actually brings them joy. Right. So make that the primary thing. Right. And I think we're finally like this, like a lot of Gen Z, I feel like is so in America is so hopeless about the state of capitalism that yeah. all of them are just going into creative creativity right away. Which is awesome. Yeah. There, there's another book. Uh, I didn't read this one, but I, I read a well, I watched a movie about the book. It's called The Four Turnings. Okay. And it's about how like history repeats itself every hundred years or so. Mm-hmm. And so each age is defined by a certain kind of people. Yeah. Um so like the previous generation, the millennial generation was like the hero generation, right? Mm. Like the people who fight during World War II, the people who fight against like coronavirus in, mm. in America or around the world and so on. Uh, and the generation before that was like the nomad generation, the people who fix things like the like, oh, we had this problem with like the people in the 60s, basically, right? Yeah. Like, like, oh, no war, no Vietnam, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our generation, the Gen Z is almost always like the artist generation, like the yeah. fourth generation of like... Okay, we've experienced and we've lived through the 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 previous generation, like the the the, the previous war or the previous pandemic, and mm-hmm. and now we're trying to like create something new from it. Um, and 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 like the book's fairly interesting because it talks about how like this always repeats itself. So yeah. again, I think you're really onto something. That there. makes that makes sense though. I yeah. mean, <laughs> I think you even just the American generation is very cut and dry, like. Your greatest generation, World War II. Then you yeah. got the Boomers, Gen X, Millennial. Just yeah. even in that cycle, that's like all four of those. Yeah, pretty yeah. Much, you know. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, oh shit! Again, I lost my train of thought. That's okay because you have about thirty <laughs> seconds to remember it because we're down to the end of this episode. <laughs> that's too much pressure. I don't know what to do. <laughs> awesome. Well, guys. Andy, this was a wonderful interview. Uh, I learned so much about magic. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. And uh, listeners, go check out his YouTube channel and his Instagram. Follow him in his uh, illusion design journey. For India. For India. <laughs> <laughs> I'll also put a link to the uh, Wikipedia page for India, India's official Instagram as well. <laughs> But yeah, thank you again for coming on. Of this course, was awesome. Man. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. That's been another episode of Don't Quit Your Day Job. And, uh, you know, keep keep at what you do. Do do some fun stuff and go to a magic show once in a while. Uh, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.